Welcome to the Strongstown United Methodist Church. Join us for worship each Sunday morning at 11. Here's this week's message. My scripture reading today comes from 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 6, I'll be reading verse 1 through 5 and then 12 through 19. And then Mark 6, 14 through 29. Sorry, it's a lot of reading today, I apologize. David again brought together out of Israel chosen men, 30,000 in all. He and all his men set out from Bela of Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim that are on the ark. They set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab which was on the hill. Uzay and Ahio, sons of Abinadad, were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it, and Ahio was walking in front of it. David and the whole house of Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord, with psalms and with harps, lyres, tambourines, sistrums, and cymbals. Now King David was told, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went down and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. David, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all his might, while he and the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sounds of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched him from a window, and when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. After he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each person in the whole crowd of, Israel, of Israelites, both men and women, and all the people went to their homes. Save that spot, because you're going to want to read something in between there shortly. And then from Mark 6, beginning at... <coughs> King Herod heard about this, for Jesus' name had become well known. Some were saying, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and... And that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Others said he is Elijah, and still others claim he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, the man I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herod Dias his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, 
it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him, but she was not able to, because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. Finally, the opportune time came on his birthday. Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. The king said to the girl, Ask me for anything you want and I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, Whatever you ask, I will give you up to half my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, she said, she answered. At once the girl hurried in to the king with the request. I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was greatly distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. So immediately he sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went, beheaded John in the prison, and brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl, and she gave it to his mother. On hearing of this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Right. Let's start off with David. David's an interesting character from the Bible. And you have to read that whole story. I had to skip part of it because I didn't have time for everything. But the story begins where the Ark of the Covenant, we remember the Philistines had it for a while, and then the Philistines had a lot of problems, so they gave it back to the Israelites, and it was actually at Abinadad. These names kill me at Abinadad's house. And Abinadad was blessed the whole time that the Ark of the Covenant was in his house. And now David, since he has taken over Jerusalem per se, but he called it the city of David, and he has prepared a place to bring the Ark of the Covenant to the city of David. Now we know that the Ark of the Covenant was in the tabernacle when they were traveling through the wilderness. So it was in a tent. And David had built a new tent in the city of David to bring the ark to. So he goes to Abinadad's and gets the ark. But the problem is he put it on a cart. It says a new cart, but it doesn't matter if it was a new cart or an old cart. He put it on the cart and he tried to transport that ark of the covenant to Jerusalem, or the city of David. And in the process, it says that the sons of Abinadad were trying to protect the cart, walking along by it, and at one point, the part that I didn't read says that the oxen stumbled, and the one son, I think it was Hayaz, Uaz, Uzzah, U-Z-Z-A-H, however you pronounce that stuff, I'm sorry. But he wretched to protect the ark from falling and in so doing touched the ark 
And we know that the rules are that they could not touch it. And because of that, it cost him his life. And I believe that David realized at this point that he hadn't followed God and what God could do. We have this tendency, and David's a great example of it, that we do what we want to do. And David wanted to move that Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, but he didn't take time to check with the Israel, to the Levites, excuse me, the Levites and, and the laws that God had already handed down and how they were supposed to move the ark. And we know from our Bible studies that it should have had poles on each side of it that went through rings and it should have been carried by Levites only. And the Levites weren't even asking this first procession, if you notice. It said he had, what, 30,000 men? Yeah, 30,000, but yet it doesn't say that the Levites were part of that. So David did what David wanted to do. He's the king. He thinks he can do what he wants to do. And we all have that tendency. We have a tendency to get up in the morning and to do what we think we want to do that day. And David had to learn the hard way by causing someone's death that he needed to seek God first. And that's what we need to do every day. We need to seek God first in the morning and find out, God, this is kind of what I want to do, but I'd like to know what you want me to do. We have a tendency to do it our way. Hey, I'm guilty too, trust me. I'm guilty too. We, are, we all have this human side on us that gets in our way, and, and we think we can do this, we want to do this, and we're going to do this. And because of it, people are harmed. In this case, David realized it was because of him that this man's death was. And at that point, it says that the part that I didn't read, that they took the Ark of the Covenant to Obed-Edom's. Obed-Edom's. And it stayed there for a few months. And in the meantime, when David went on home and he thought about this and he realized what he had done wrong, now he decided to seek God. And when he seeked God and found out that this is the law, this is the way God said it's to be moved. So now when he decides to try making the move again, he has God's favor. And he's using the Levites. And they're having the poles so that they're not touching the Ark of the Covenant. And it says that, that he sacrificed on the way. And I don't know how far... The journey was, but it says that every six steps he was sacrificing a bull. Can you imagine how many animals they must have sacrificed? Because it had to be a journey. But in that journey, I believe that prior to it, he found out that he could not do what he wanted to do. He had to find out that he needed to seek God. He needed to ask God what the right way was to move it. He needed to make sure that he talked to the Levites. And he followed the rules that God had laid out years and years before. And now when he moves the Ark of the Covenant this time, and they do it the right way, he manages to get the Ark of the Covenant to the city of David, into the tent that he built for the Ark. Apparently the previous tent from the tabernacle was destroyed when the Philistines had, had taken the Ark. 
But it's interesting, he wanted, we know the story goes on, and I'm only going to touch on it briefly. We know that he wanted to build the temple to put the ark in, but God said that David wasn't the one to build that temple because David was a warrior. Because he was a warrior was a reason that he said, your son, one of your sons will build the temple. But this story, if we read it, it took two tribes to get the Ark of the Covenant from Abinadad's house till it actually got to the city of David. Because the first time, excuse me, the first time David did what he wanted to do. The human side of David come out. He may have been a king, but he still was like the rest of us, that we make the decision to do what we want to do, not what God wants us to do. And that was where David's first mistake was. He tried to do it his way. And, and that story leads on when you step forward into the story about Harry. We know the story about John the Baptist, that Herod knew John the Baptist because John the Baptist had kept saying to Herod, what you're doing is, is wrong, you're sinning because you're married to your brother's wife. And it says that Herod was kind of interested. The word mine used was puzzled, and I'm sure we looked at different uh, versions of the Bible. We'd have different words, but from what I understand, Herod was interested in listening to John but at the same time, he still had that sinful side of him that was taking over. So even though he was listening to John, and he was puzzled by John, he still did things that he wanted to do. He wanted. So he protected John by actually having him put in prison. That's kind of interesting. Here's a king, that, or a ruler, shall we say, that has John put into prison trying to protect him. So he thought, he thought he had things under control, right? He thought he was protecting John from his wife, who he knew wanted to kill John. She wanted to kill John. Well, what happens is he has a party, his own birthday party. And at his party, when he has all these people, these high officials, military officials, leaders of the city, of the area, it says that, Herodias' daughter danced for them, and he offered her up to one half of his kingdom. Bad part is he really didn't have much of a kingdom, because at that time, all of Israel was split into multiple uh, sections, so he only had a section of it, but fortunately he had the section of Galilee. But the small section that he had, he offered her up to one half of the kingdom for what she had done. Now, this is really interesting because this young girl doesn't say how old she was. I'm going to assume she was probably a teenager. And she goes and asks her mother, what should I ask for? And what does the mother say? The head of John the Baptist. Now, can you imagine when she comes and tells Herod, I want the head of John the Baptist. I, I can imagine how he felt. He thought he had it under control. He thought he had saved John's life. But now he knows because he done an oath that he has to give her the head of John the Baptist. So he has an executioner go and cut off the head of John and bring it on a platter. That sounds awful gross to me, doesn't it, you? I can't imagine being at a party like that, but in their day, that was nothing unusual. But Herod thought he had it under control 
doing it his way. His way. Just like most of us, we want to do it our way. And yet he found out going it his way got him in trouble, caused another death. And by doing it his way, I believe that he was on a fence. I believe, I believe Herod to be a person, we always say, where sometimes we're straddling a fence. And we know that the good might be on this side and the bad's on this side. And what happens? Some days we're standing over here and some days we're standing over here. We're guilty of it. Our human side gets in our way and, and there's something going on. And I don't want to be a part of that, even though I know I shouldn't be. We want to be because we want to be. And yet then we know that, no, we're supposed to be following Christ. Let's go over here. Let's get with the good crowd. And some days we're on the right side. Well, what happens to us? We're still straddling that fence some days. And some days, we're not sure where we belong. I believe every one of us knows the right from the wrong. We know which side of the fence we need to be on. But the problem is our human side gets in our way because we want something. We want to do it our way. And when we want to do it our way, it gets us in trouble. Just like it did David, just like it did Herod, and, and we could go back and name hundreds of people in the Old Testament, even in the New Testament, that when they did it their way, they got in trouble. And we tend to do the same thing. Hey, I confess, I've done many things the wrong way because I thought I wanted to do it that way. Not because I took time to seek God's face first, not because I... Check with God before we do it. When we get up every morning, we should talk to God and say, what do you want me to do today? But we have a tendency to say, this is my plans. As someone told me recently, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Right? But we want to do it our way. Not what we need to do. And I believe that these stories tell us that what we need to do first is to seek God's direction. And once we seek God's direction in our lives, he will bless everything that happens that day. And we know as Christians, as people that know God, we know that when we're following his direction, we have a much better day. Do we not? We all can, can attest to that. We all can say that, yes, I know when I follow God's will, I am blessed. But we know that when things don't go well, when we do something because we want to do it, oh, I can tell you many days, I do something because I think that's what I should be doing, and then everything goes wrong, doesn't it? Something either breaks down or something happens that we didn't plan, but it will happen, I guarantee you. And if it doesn't, it's going to. So we need to learn to seek God first. And when we seek his direction, then we will be blessed by God. And just like every one of the people, and we can probably read about almost everyone in this book that's tried to do something their way because they wanted to, then they found out that they had to do it God's way. Amen? That's right. Almighty God, we know that you are a great and gosh, gracious God. And Lord, you have blessed us in so many ways, and yet we still tend to do it our way. Forgive us when we don't seek you first. 
Forgive us when we don't follow your directions, but we follow our own directions. When we want to do what we want to do, forgive us. Help us to be the people that listen to you, that follow you, and do all that you want us to do, not what we want to do. So bless each and every one and show us the way and help us to each day. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, so we don't forget that.